They used to describe technology as labour-saving devices. And I come back to that all the time. I think it's a Victorian idea. But the idea was that technology would eventually free us from mundanity and having to do drudgery. You know, that's a job for, for robots. And actually all it's done is now I have 250 different inboxes and every one of them is absolutely rammed full of messages from people. And so a significant part of my life is just triaging messages to work out which ones I actually need to pay attention to. This is Lock and Code, a Malwarebytes podcast. I'm your host, David Reese. We are now officially into season four of Lock and Code, and we are also now officially into the year 2023. Happy New Year. Our main story today is about looking back. And no, just because today is a holiday does not mean we are taking a break with a retrospective episode. We are looking back today on technology and on a time when technology last excited us. I'd like you, listeners, to turn that thought around in your head a little bit. What was the last piece of technology, be it a gadget, a piece of software, a revolutionary product, that excited you? What about it excited you? And importantly, how long ago was this? Because for Shannon Valor, director of the Center for Techno-Moral Futures in the Edinburgh Futures Institute, that time was 1999 when Apple updated its original iMac lineup with five new colors, which it called flavors, blueberry, strawberry, tangerine, grape, and lime. Valor wrote her thoughts on Twitter back in August of this year, and with those thoughts, she shared a top-down promotional photo of the then-new iMacs, writing, The last time tech made me truly gleeful was these glories. Valor's late 90s memory was offered as part of a larger Twitter thread in which she asked, as we are asking today, why does technology no longer excite us? In full, she said, the saddest thing for me about modern tech's long spiral into user manipulation and surveillance is how it has just slowly killed off the joy that people like me used to feel about new tech. Every product Meta or Amazon announces makes the future seem bleaker and grayer. It used to be the opposite. Tech was one of the things I loved most. I still remember the feeling when I rode the first BART trains in San Francisco, when I saw my first Concorde, my little head exploded, my Commodore PET. The last time tech made me truly gleeful was these glories. What will it take for us to get that feeling back? I don't think it's just my nostalgia, is it? There's no longer anything being promised to us by tech companies that we actually need or asked for. Just more monitoring, more nudging, more draining of our data, our time, our joy. Today, we are talking to the people who can answer this question best. My colleagues who are older than I am. As is now tradition on Lock and Code, we are inviting back Mauerbytes Labs editor-in-chief Anna Brading and Mauerbytes Labs writer Mark Stockley to welcome the new year and to discuss whatever it is I throw at them. Today, why does technology 
no longer excite us. Anna, Mark, welcome back to the show. Thanks, David. What a way to uh, hit a woman when she's stressed about upcoming festivities. I'm actually really young. (laughs) I'm, I'm actually... By the way, all listeners... I'm actually 21. <laughs> didn't know it turned 21 this year. Didn't know if you knew that. Yeah, and thus, I'm, I am still excited about technology. In my, in my <laughs> few years since I finished school. <laughs> Just a little genius here. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. It's all right. Well, that's Mark's older than me. I knew that was coming. <laughs> we could almost call him the granddad of the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Mark, is it true? Are you the granddad of the podcast? I feel like the granddad of the podcast now. I didn't two minutes ago. (laughs) I have started the episode with a big assumption actually here, which is that technology no longer excites us. But of course, I have to kind of check that assumption. Am I incorrect? Does technology excite the two of you anymore? Or was that a safe assumption to make? No, I think it's actually interesting that you said that because I thought I had just become really desensitized to life and I mean maybe I have but no it doesn't (laughs) maybe it's just nothing excites me anymore but no (laughs) it definitely doesn't excite me in the way that it used to and maybe I mean we're going to come on to it but maybe it's because it doesn't change so much in the same way like for example I just got a new MacBook Pro because my old one was falling apart naturally the main reason I got it is because my keyboard would no longer type all the letters it just got stuck it was when they brought out the butterfly keyboard and they it was they were trying to make it all streamlined and it's just everything stuck so that was exciting that I could type again but that was the only thing I was excited about and you think I'm spending a lot of money on this technology and that's it that's I just excited that I can type again like everything else is the same more or less isn't it I I am 100% not excited about technology at all. In fact, I'm appalled by technology. And I think the reason is simply that technology is crap, frankly. Is it? No, it's utter rubbish. In real, it's just, you know. You just want ponds and chickens and foraging. The technology that excites me is really, really, really low tech. Like Anna was saying, like ponds and things like that. A lot of technology is just wasteful rehashing of the same thing over and over again, consuming resources and for no gain. And there is beauty in technology that is incredibly simple and which promotes good things. So like the most exciting piece of technology for me in the last few years was I have chickens and I made my chickens something so that they could basically drink whenever they wanted. So instead of going and filling up a container every day or every few days with water, I created, I got a uh, catering bucket, which is like a big cylinder with a lid. And I got a float valve that you would normally put in a toilet cistern. And I put that in this bucket and I rigged it up so it hangs and it's got little drinkers on the bottom and it's plugged into a hose. And so they can drink from this thing whenever they want. And it serves my laziness of not having to go and bring them water, but it also means I can just leave them to get on with their lives without having to go in and disturb them all the time. I I like that kind of technology. That is very exciting. Anna, do you have an equivalent? No, I don't have any uh, any chicken-based uh, technology. Do you know what I think that <laughs> one of the most exciting <laughs> technological inventions of the last, I don't know how many years, maybe 15 years, is WhatsApp. 
Now, I know we're supposed to hate it because it's meta, but it has changed the way people communicate. <laughs> I really believe that. I know not everyone's on it. And I know that we're all supposed to use Signal and I do use Signal, blah, 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 blah. But also I use WhatsApp and groups and the way people use it for, I have children. So the way people use it to communicate about school stuff and birthday parties. I do think it has revolutionised the way people communicate. So I think that was exciting when that came out. And it's still exciting when I get a message. I have WhatsApp for the same reasons that Anna just said. I've got children and there are school WhatsApp groups and they are occasionally useful, but they're mostly just very, very noisy. (laughs) I'm not convinced that they're a good thing. Like the lead up to the end of term last year, in sort of July last year, it was just absolutely bonkers. The signal to noise ratio was so bad. Like the number of things that people were talking about that actually pertain to useful information rather than just people like this sort of crescendo that develops because everyone's kids are about to leave the school and go somewhere else it was um it was it was almost at the point of deleting the group but they are occasionally useful but that i think that's a neat summary of technology for me that there's this huge overhead of discomfort that comes with it yeah it's not just whatsapp where there's a signal to noise ratio it's crazy one of the things you're talking about mark that everything's crap um <laughs> in that umbrella <laughs> uh because I was thinking about this question too. Like, I, I, one, I am not excited about it anymore. Um, and I think it's because at least everything that is like hyped up or almost everything that's hyped up, it feels like this technology will make you money. Like cryptocurrency really feels like that. And the folks who are like really into Web3, it really felt like that. And NFTs really felt like that, where it just felt like... I don't know, like everything that like Silicon Valley told me I should be really excited about was just Silicon Valley making money for itself. And I really hated that. And I still kind of really hate that. One of the things that I really despise about cryptocurrency is not the technology itself, but like it's evangelism where people will <laughs> like say straight face that like this is decentralized finance and it's going to like revolutionize people's like access to capital And then these are the same people who can spend, like they can make multi-million dollar bets on speculative markets. And it's like, no, you were always rich. Like that's not, (laughs) this isn't liberating anyone. This is you being rich. Like there's, I just, I hate that stuff. I cannot stand that stuff. And NFTs were the same way. I don't know. They were like people out there saying that like this is you know this is the ticket like no it's just a short-term gain for an extremely small like narrow subset of the population and it's going to do nothing (laughs) other than make some people a lot of money and ruin some other people who were told that this was the way to make money and that's what technology has felt like for the past i don't know 10 to something years like 10 to 15 years of just like here's this thing that will make like it's so cool like remember when people were trying to justify web 3 like there were people on stage who (laughs) were believers in web 3 and someone would say like what does web 3 do for x that isn't already happening and like i remember like video games were a big thing like well if when we put like video games through like the web 3 like ideology like people can make money while they play video games and it's just sort of like 
that can happen without Web3. Like, that's a thing <laughs> that can exist. And so it always feels like we have this thing and it's a solution searching for a problem. And the solution is always like, you could make some money. And it's like, <laughs> I hate it. I can't, I can't stand it. I think it's the stupidest <laughs> thing. It kills there's also me. A, that's a, that gives, there's a lot of pressure to succeed as well with all of them. Like you, you, you don't want to fail at making the money. Yeah, right. And I remember there was like a game very quickly that like people were playing and they said like, oh, wow, you can earn like hundreds of dollars a month. And then like all that happened is it like ended up becoming like a really weird little cottage industry for communities in different countries. And these people were like playing multiple instances of the game, grinding for like 12 to 14 hours a day just so they could sell things that they got in the game, like digital goods, and they could sell them for real money at the end of the day. We already have sweatshops. Like, we don't need to make them online. <laughs> but these are Web3 sweatshops. <laughs> these are decentralized sweatshops. <laughs> I think Web3 is a fantastic example because I, do, I, I feel like it's the pathological example of why technology is bad. You put it brilliantly when you said it was a, a solution in search of a problem. And, you know, things like, like Bitcoin's been around a long time now. I, I've yet to be convinced. And I, I think, well, I think the world is yet to be convinced. But sort of Web3 and the NFT bubble and all that, it's like we were all being gaslit. You know, people were saying things to our faces that were just very obviously not true. But they had all the trappings of their forebears who had, you know, sold us on things that maybe we thought were good. And they've just affected this way of speaking and this way of looking. And, you know, you had celebrities coming on TV talking about these awful monkey pictures that they had just spent a million dollars on <laughs> purely for the purpose of getting other people to want the monkey pictures and buy them from them before the whole thing collapses. It was like, a, you know, the sort of the emperor stripped bear, I think. But it's it's a lot older than that. I like Web three is is the so is like probably the pinnacle in my lifetime. But I, I think actually this dislike of technology has much much deeper roots than that. And I was trying to think about: Am I just being grumpy? Well, yes. There's there's part of that. <laughs> but we've been on a massive journey over the last sort of hundred two hundred years in terms of technology. And I think in the very beginning there was potential for technology to really change things for the better. And, you know, if you invent soap or antibiotics or something like that, then you have just saved billions of people from an otherwise awful death. Like that's a that's an enormous step forward. And I, I feel like modern technology sort of coats itself in the same, in that legacy. And it, it, it's pretending to be the same thing. And it's not because actually it takes more and more work to make more and more marginal gains these days. And the cost of those marginal gains is this massive increase in complexity and noise. Something that uh, like on that exact thing I was thinking about because I was thinking like, when's the last time that technology like really excited me? And I was recognizing that there was nothing necessarily consumer based, you know, like, like, oh, the latest iPhone or, or Android phone or like new computers, like those are so similar to the last years that I think we become numb to the advancements because like, like what's really exciting? Like there's obviously a group of people out there who are like, Oh my gosh, like the new 
MacBook Pro, like when it has the M3 compared to the M2, like that's a huge gain and that's really cool. But like I use my computer to like look at the internet. <laughs> so it's already doing a pretty good job uh, and to make this podcast and it's doing fine, you know, but the thing that I am excited about, it's technology, but like used in different things like medicine. Um, so uh, I've like kind of spoken about it briefly before on this on this show, but there were like six years where I volunteered for a suicide hotline. And when you do that, you also actually volunteer for uh, an AIDS and HIV like information line where like people can call and ask about how HIV is transferred from body to body and, you know, what folks should be looking for and how to, it's also just like emotional support and the difference in the advice and like the, what we tell people like that has changed so much even from when I started on that helpline because the advancements in like antivirals for HIV are astounding. And I like legitimately believe like we're going to rid the world of AIDS in my lifetime, which is insane to me. Like that's one of the craziest things. And I think that's exciting. Like I think that kind of technological advancement in medicine is really exciting, but like I just no longer care about the latest consumer tech. Uh, because one, like I said, the products are just so incrementally advanced that it's not a big deal. And then when it's not that, it's something like Web3. And it's like, yeah, it's Web3 is not going to win. I'm sorry. But like when, in my mind, like, oh, would you rather have like this hokum or would you have ridding the world of AIDS? And I think <laughs> I'm going to choose the second one every single time. Yeah, I think I mean you I com- I completely agree about the fact that things aren't different enough. Like remember when does did anyone get excited when we went from dial up to broadband? That was exciting because you didn't have to listen to the annoying noise and your mum could be on the phone while you were on it. <laughs> Mark, that might not apply to you because you were probably in working by then didn't live with your mum um but when phones went for to smartphones that was that was all exciting it's when something new develops although I don't know how I feel about like the metaverse I don't actually care about that maybe that's my age how did that help with reducing the spread of covid you said about aids like an hiv and if we didn't have technology if we weren't where we are now it would have been a lot harder to limit the spread of COVID as we did. I don't know if we did limit it really because it was everywhere, but you know. Yeah, I like the availability of the mRNA vaccine is something that like was years in the making. And I mean, I remember when we, when the pandemic was announced, you know, it was not unusual to hear that vaccines typically, like historically would take like seven to 12 years. Yeah, completely. And we can't process that. Like just mentally, it's just like, no, I, I'm going to reject that. Like that's, we're not going to live like this for seven to 12 years. You so must be insane. Uh, I, I think that that, it, but it raises a really interesting issue about this. Like, why do we, why do we dislike technology? There's something cultural going on here as well. In any other time, in any other era, the production of vaccines for COVID would I think be seen as nothing other than an enormous unqualified win, like a a genuine step forward. It was massive, as you say, like this idea that vaccines take decades to produce and, and multiple vaccines were produced very, very quickly. But culturally, we are completely unequipped to deal with that. Um, and it was very interesting because Anna and I were in the UK and 
I, I think the the sort of anti-vaccine sentiment is much lower here than it looks like it is in the USA, or at least the the, the anti-vaxxers are a much quieter bunch here than they are in the USA. <laughs> so you can sort of contrast around the world that you know the reactions to these things aren't universal. They're they're different in different places. Maybe the loud voices in the US are just much, much better at amplifying themselves. But there's definitely seems like there's some sort of cultural damper on our attitude to technology. So even when we're presented with a an absolute win, we're kind of looking at it and going, hmm, I'm suspicious of this. But that's just everything these days, isn't it? Like it's like yeah. on are, Twitter, are everybody we the wants problem? to problem. Yeah. <laughs> and catch is, the pod, is this conversation the problem? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Is, We're putting it out there. I don't that's like that. That's stupid. That's a dumb thing. <laughs> it's just this negativity. It is. Yeah. We, we have to stop the podcast. We, we can't let this go. We can't let this air. <laughs> What's the po- What can we say? What's positive? Can we say positive stuff? Well, I think there's something like in like looking back, like trying to compare like the last things that we were excited about. And this is something that we spoke about the, at the intro there, which is like, has the promise of technology changed? Like, has it actually changed? Because I could see someone saying, like, I'm, I'm thinking of like another like enormous achievement, right? Like us reaching the moon. And I could see someone saying like, well, actually, that was just like a geopolitical maneuver that took like $15 trillion to accomplish so that we could appear strong in comparison to the Soviets, you know, like we were worried that they would be seen as like a technological superpower. And so we dumped everything that we could into this effort. And so you'd be like, its motive was not pure. Its motive was not, we will reach the stars, you know, but, but we reached the moon. So like, (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) And I wonder then like, do we have like rose colored glasses? You know, like, do we think the promise was better back then i would throw this question back at you david because i suspect that you understand this better than i do because of your architecture background but there's there's a a modernist postmodernist slant on this as i understand it like i I have a very very wafer thin understanding of modernism or postmodernism but modernism is broadly speaking the era up to the end of the second world war and it has a very optimistic view of technology and technology is there to help us and solve problems. And if you look at the way that people talked about things like nuclear energy, people were very excited about atoms and atomic things into the 50s. And then you get into the 60s and we start to get into this more cynical counterculture type stuff. And then we we start looking at everything more cynically, like the people that lead us and our institutions and with that, I think technology, I think there's a, I, I wondered if you had come across that in your study of architecture. Yeah, that's actually like extremely on point. So there was a, a period of time uh, in our architecture, definitely in the United States, but also abroad, where we, like the massive architects at the time, they heralded the introduction of technology for building, for actually raising buildings, putting them up. And there's this extraordinarily famous architect uh, named Le Corbusier, who he wanted buildings to look like they were made by machines. He he celebrated that. He's like, look, we can have these like regimented, like formatted facades that look like a machine has has made them, has touched them. 
and then we we rejected that like afterwards mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, you know like he was definitely building like in the 30s i think and then we rejected that and it wasn't even just like postmodernism but there was also a period of time where we we're like we should go back to having things look like they were handled by human hands because we thought that was really exciting like oh to reintroduce that to building and Yes, like it's just a really long way of saying like, yeah, that's absolutely happened. We have celebrated the introduction of the machine into our design and then we have rejected it. And I don't know where we are today, but we did just become very cynical about it. And I wonder if that's just something that happened culturally and now we just can't escape it when we also look at our technology, like our machines. Culturally, aren't we just cynical about everything these days? That doesn't feel like there's a lot of positivity about looking forward to stuff. And I think then, like on Twitter especially, uh, it sort of uh, proliferates, doesn't it? Well, I, I think that you've, you've hit on a, a very particular problem there with social media as well, which is that uh, social media is the sort of monetization of anger and conflict, isn't it? That that's the drama well, I think Twitter that we is, seek is out. Twitter especially. I don't think all social media is. So what if... Because I'm starting to think about other technology that's excited me. Because I, I am excited by the moon landings, and I, I think he, like, even for all the things that you said, David, about ah, oh, well, it was just a geopolitical exercise in showing we've got better missiles than you. I agree with you. We, we still went to the moon, like we still yeah. set set the bar. <laughs> still cool. Like we went yeah, to the, we, we went it. to the moon, <laughs> you know. And I yeah. I'm excited by that, and I, I am excited by uh, Starship. And I'm excited by the James Webb Telescope. And like every time NASA lands a rover on Mars, I think it's amazing. And when they, they land something on an asteroid, I think that there are there are things out there, lots of things, that are genuinely amazing. And I wonder if actually the problem is simply that there are very few amazing things, or maybe there are very many amazing things, but there are very many, many, many more things that are either treading water or making things worse. Like they used to describe technology as labor-saving devices. And I come back to that all the time. You know, the idea was that technology, I think it's a Victorian idea, but the idea was that technology would eventually free us from mundanity and having to do drudgery. You know, that's a job for... For robot, and actually, all it's done is now I have two hundred and fifty different inboxes, and every one of them is absolutely <laughs> rammed full of messages from people. And so, a significant part of my life is just triaging messages to work out which ones I actually need to pay attention to. And every service I have ever interacted with thinks I want to hear from it every couple of weeks. Can I, I tell you? I tell, I'll tell you a story that I the best newsletter I have ever received was from a company called Bitemark that I used to use for web hosting. And they sent me exactly one newsletter in the entire time I was a customer, which was for several years. And they sent me one news- newsletter, and all it said was something like, uh, we're going to keep charging you the same amount of money, but we're going to be giving you a little bit more in terms of service. And I remember that newsletter. <laughs> it stands out in my mind. Yeah. It's the only newsletter I've ever received that I can actually remember. I was so amazed that they only sent me a newsletter at the moment they had something to say. Instead of saying, we must send a newsletter every week, and therefore we must find something to say in the newsletter, they just sent one 
when they had a thing to say and I remember what they said. And that was at least, that was probably 12 years ago that I received that newsletter. But marketers would say, yeah, but if we send it all the time, we're more likely, like, you are a particular person. There are going to be other people that are going to click because they're being sent stuff all the time. So, I mean, I understand that. It is annoying, but... But that's, it's, it's who benefits from that, isn't it? Like, I mean, you know, the person, arguably the person that clicks, you know, the, the, the 1% or the 2% of people who click do so because they believe they're going to derive some benefit. And there is yeah. some chance, at least, that they do, in fact, derive a benefit. I mean, there's quite a considerable chance they don't, in fact, derive a benefit, I suggest. But, but some of them will. But the 98% of people who don't click are just faced with another unwelcome intrusion into their, yeah. into their lives. You were talking about how you're still excited about space and, like, the James Webb telescope. And yeah. I think it's interesting that, like, I feel the exact same way and I'm, trying to i i know there's probably people out there who are like i don't like space space is stupid and i'm like please just <laughs> open a book lord okay but um <laughs> and i'm trying to find out like is there something beyond just like space is inherently exciting you know is there something beyond like stars are super cool <laughs> that makes us really excited i think it's got something to do with freedom or power because uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier because i look at my children and i i think they have a very different view of technology and i think they had something like the same view of technology that i did when i was their age and if you give a child a computer it opens up a completely new world for them to explore which is full of possibilities and actually, I had something like that feeling in the 90s when I started dabbling in websites, that it was like, this is a thing that it's very, very new and, and people haven't really explored this yet and figured out what it's for and how to use it. And, and I was in on the ground floor about what do we do with this thing? And that's quite exciting. And I think technology that excites us has that sense of possibility and some sort of world-expanding idea, you know, you send up the James Webb telescope, we're going to see galaxies, we're going to see things that we have never seen before, you know, send astronauts to the moon, they're going to explore somewhere that humans have never been before. So there's something about wonder and freedom and, and I, I don't know, exercising dominion over something or... Yeah, it's completely alien, literally alien, to how we live on earth isn't it so it is yeah i think it is the the escapism maybe as as well i wonder if it's as simple as like you were saying mark that we're explorers you know like and that's a really exciting idea in and of itself but a lot of the technology that we have around us today does not feel like it helps us explore or expand or even learn more you know like as simple as that is, like there isn't like a piece of tech that I use today that's within arm's reach of me as I sit here doing this podcast where I'm like, that thing helped me learn. That thing helped me expand my understanding. Well, um, that's because you're not looking really? at a CD of Microsoft and Carter, David. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you're looking at one of them, you would. <laughs> this would be a very different podcast, guys. It's all good. 
the next CD is coming out next I'm subscribed. It's Remember how exciting month. that was though. Before Google, we could look up anything and it was on the computer. That's such a good point to bring up. Like, remember Google? Like, I can't believe we can say those words because there's like a thing now where a lot of people are recognizing that like Google is dreadful to find things. Like we we have cluttered the web so much with our own garbage that finding an actual human response to a question that we have is exceedingly difficult. And something that I found people do and I do is like if I have an actual question for something like how do I fix my TV this or like how do I my oven isn't turning on and like the model under the oven and then I type in the word reddit afterwards because then I can guarantee that humans are talking about the problem and apparently there's like a thing and I think it's just really smart to like catch on to it really quickly there like because Google was exciting and then now it isn't because like if I search something I'm going to find the top results are like 10 different blogs written strictly for SEO and like mm. it'll be like how to are you saying they weren't helpful <laughs> they weren't helpful <laughs> it'll be like are you looking to boil a pot of water for people who want to boil a pot of water they need to get the water so they can boil the pot of water i'm like oh my god like can we and that's every that's every article <laughs> and do you remember the first time you saw google i kind of do yeah i kind of do it was all to vista and stuff like that before google wasn't it I remember that more yes. than Google. I was building a website for a usability engineer. And it was it was the most boring website you've ever seen in your life. But anyway, but we had some quite interesting conversations around the production of this website. And she said, you should go and check out this new search engine, which is called Google. And I remember looking at it and people who weren't using the web at the time and didn't use things like Alta Vista just won't understand this. But seeing a web page that just had a search box and a button or two buttons search and I'm feeling lucky was mind blowing because mm. you look at Alta Vista and Lycos and Hotbot and things like that. And they had maybe 500 links on the page, like a tiny search box. And it was all about curation and, you know, people and, and directories and things like that. And, Google just spent all this money on making things fast and simple. And just seeing mm. that web page, it was so different from everything else. The idea that you could just search and then it produced decent search results that actually bore some relation to the thing that you wanted to know about. That was exciting for a bit. Not for long. <laughs> have you ever actually used the I'm feeling lucky button? Does it still exist? Do they still have it? That's a good question. I'd, I've never, ever used it. No. Google. I never use. Yeah, that's like that's still like having a button Let's Google that said bad right. search results. Like. David, Google something. If you've got it okay, up, Google. Gonna, what, what should we Google? Let's it. see. JFK conspiracy. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> Google Mark Stockley uh, and then put I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> see what you get. Okay, I've typed Mark Stockley and I'm typing. I'm doing. Oh my goodness! It <laughs> takes so it takes you. To this. <laughs> it didn't find you, so that's. <laughs> Good or bad, however you however you want to uh, measure that. Uh, it took me immediately to a Twitter user's page, Mark Stockley. Okay, um, interesting. A different different Mark Stockley. Not going to say anything else about him. The more you know? popular. Mark uh, we're not we're not in that business. Um, but that's Probably what that's followers. what it does. That's, 
nothing. We're not saying anything about this fellow. We <laughs> will be accused of doxing him. <laughs> I think the important thing here, David, is do you now feel lucky? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was something that, uh, Mark, you were talking about, that, like looking at whether or not kids have a different view of technology and do we know if that's true and my question here is like are they still excited about it because they haven't lived through what we've seen and lived through like the failed promises of tech are we curmudgeons like are we just those muppets who are like shouting in the theater and just like making fun of things um and do kids not have that so i wonder if one of the reasons why we're not excited maybe is because we're fearful of what's to ne- what's next you know like all the privacy issues with technology and AI and Mark is absolutely terrified of killer robots, but it's a real thing. Um, And, you know, maybe kids don't have that sort of sense of what could happen. So you'll be familiar with Douglas Adams, who wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In one of his books, he wrote this. He said, I've come up with a set of rules that describe our reactions to technologies. Number one, anything that is in the world when you're born is normal and ordinary and is just a natural part of the way the world works. Two, anything that's invented between when you're 15 and 35 is new and exciting and revolutionary and you could probably get a career in it. Three, anything invented after you're 35 is against the natural order of things. That's probably I, true. It's unfortunate that he's like nailed it, you know, like because <laughs> we could have just we could have just read that and it would be like that's oh, the end of the podcast. Done, done, folks. He was correct. I've got a child near me. Do you want me to ask them if they're excited about technology? Yeah, a hundred percent. I want that. Okay, yes. let me see. Oh, right, we'll have to pause. Okay, Oscar is going to come and talk now. I'm going to put the headphones on him. Hold on a sec. Right, you got to talk into that. Put these headphones on. Can you? All right, if you say hello. 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 Hi, Oscar. Hi. Hi, my name's David. How are you doing? Good. Good. That's good to hear. Oscar, we have one important question for you. Are you excited about technology? Yes. <laughs> what are you excited about? What's your favorite piece? You like your Kindle Fire, don't you? You say that. My fire. What's your fire? Explain. Oh, yeah. Tablet. iPad. What do you like doing on it? Playing games. Oh, that's good. That sounds like a lot of fun. What's your favorite game? I don't know. What was that question? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oscar, can you give the headphones back to your mom? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Hello. 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 That, that was, was great. Hard. We found out that he likes uh, his uh, fire tablet. Yeah. He likes playing games. Good. Um, he doesn't have. He doesn't. He doesn't know his favorite game because he's overwhelmed by choice. Those were right. his words. Um, <laughs> and so he's excited. So we've got one. Yeah. We've got one person who's pretty stoked. <laughs> got a six-year-old. How does Oscar feel about hosting the next episode? <laughs> I think you might need to expand slightly on his vocabulary and yes and no, but you know, we can work on that. It was hard because I couldn't hear what you were asking him. Yeah, no, I'm sure it was a nightmare. It was um, absolutely so terrifying. I've got a question for you, Anna. Mm-hmm. Are you as excited about the games as Oscar is? 
Not, not about playing um, them, but how do you feel about how excited he is about the games that he wants to play? Oh, so there's one that he's really into at the moment. It's called Dragon Mania. It's like a Farmville type thing. They do like, they grow the gra- dragons and they hatch them. But like the hold that it has over him, I hate. It's too much. Like it, it has so much more of a hold over him than watching TV or anything else like that. Like it's like next level. And we didn't have that when we were growing up. I don't like that. I don't like that it's, that his... When he is using it, there is nothing that will enter his head apart from that. And it's his every waking thought when he wakes up, he's, he's asking for it. And all of that is horrible from a parent's point of view. I like that it, uh, I like that it's, it occupies him for a bit when I need to do something. And I like that he, I obviously, I wouldn't want him to not use a tablet because I, he needs to know how to use one. But I don't like the hold it has over him. I mean, it has it over us as well. I don't have anything better than that, you know, like it has a hold on us. It's got us. Maybe that's why we're not excited is that we just know deep down, like it's winning, you know, and that's the opposite of space exploration. That would be like if like if the stars were winning, you know, (laughs) like every single day the sun is like, well, that is happening, you know, in its own way. I was gonna say every single day the stars, the sun is a little bit hotter than before. And that is happening, (laughs) not necessarily that the sun is hotter, but we're creating conditions that we feel it. And so we're like, we're losing. We're losing. We're losing every single day. The sun's going to gobble us up. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Do you think that's why we're less excited? Because we're just so much more fearful now. Because we've gone, like, we've sort of gone over the hump of like, woo, there's so many exciting things we can do. And now we're a bit like at the top going, oh, no. Are those killer robots? Like, yeah. <laughs> can I see them in the distance coming for us? <laughs> Maybe they're friendly. Yeah, exactly. Or like, what, what's happened to my what's happened to my privacy? Hold on. Where? What about all the all the stuff that used to be private and is now absolutely yeah. not? Like, I yeah. I've, can I, I have it back? I, I'm scared of that. Yeah. Oh no, you can't. Can I have it? Oh no, I can't. No. Oh, okay. That is all the time we have for today. Unfortunately, even though we could probably talk for another hour. Anna, Mark, thank you again so much for coming on today's show. It's a pleasure. Thank you. To our listeners, we'll talk to you again in two weeks when we discuss the technology industry's gender gap and what it's like to just be a woman online. Until then, stay tuned and stay safe. And remember, you can read all our cybersecurity coverage on Mauerbytes Labs at mauerbytes.com slash blog. And please, if you like what you heard today, follow and review our show. Finally, our intro music is by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com and our outro music is by Woa from Unminus.com. Today's show was edited by Eric Johnson from LightningPod.fm. Thank you, folks. <laughs>